There's no other king like him. And there's no other true king. Amen. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. Boy, we have a lot to celebrate today. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. God's love, his great love, has been poured out for us. What a blessing. What what a Savior. We are not worthy. There was an old show years ago, Saturday Night Live. Wayne's World. (laughs) We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We aren't worthy, are we? We're not worthy of the cross that he bore. We're not worthy of the the nails that were in his hands and feet. We're not worthy of the stripes that he took for our sin. We're not worthy of the tomb that he was laying in. We're not worthy of the sacrifice that he paid on our behalves. We don't deserve it. (laughs) We didn't earn it. It's by his love and his mercy and his grace. Amen. 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 If I was to ask you, what, what does Easter mean to you? you know, if, if you think of the word Easter, what does that mean to you? I mean, you'd probably come up with several different things. And I guess I'd like to hear some of them. Just, just shout them out. Who's got, when you think of Easter, what do you think about? Resurrection. Resurrection. Ultimate sacrifice. He is risen. The sacrifice was accepted by God the Father when he rose. Okay, very good. Yes, others. Easter in general, what do you think about? Sorry. Be my seed renewed. Yes, yes, renewed. Okay. Well, you guys are sure holy. Easter bunny. Huh? Family. Eggs. Candy, Alex. <laughs> Leave it to my daughter. <laughs> what else? Huh? He rose with all power. What else? Forever. Food. Defeated death. All right. So there is a broad, everything from the resurrection to eggs to Easter bunnies to... Okay, let me just think if I can come up with a few that uh, maybe you didn't. Um, baskets. All right, Easter baskets. Did anybody find their basket this morning? Any? All right, yeah. Okay, very good. All right, we still do that for our kids, I mean. Um, bunnies, coloring eggs. Anybody color eggs? Yeah? All right, a tradition. How about new clothes? Did anybody get anything new for Easter? Did you get a new dress? Okay. Mike might have got a new tie back there. I saw an Easter bunny tie. Lord Jesus. Anybody get a new pair of shoes? New pair of shoes, a new hat, new, hat, new bonnet or something? 
Huh? Yes, my wife has matching shoes on today, everybody. Have you ever heard the story? Maybe there's some of you who hadn't heard the story. Well, because I have the microphone, let me tell you a story. So a few years ago, we come to church and, you know, when we had some kids in the house and whenever you got kids in the house, it's hard to get everybody up early and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, we may have even had a drama going on and a breakfast and all that kind of stuff. And my wife, before we left the house, she goes, she's got two pairs of shoes, two different pairs of shoes on. She says, husband, what, what pair do you think looks the best? And I says, well, probably that one. So she picked the other one and she came to church and we go through church and everything and the first part of the service and the meal and all that stuff. And then afterwards, my wife was talking in the hall as she is known to do. (coughs) Sorry. And... As she's talking in the hall, my daughter's like behind the person she's talking to. And Jody's trying to ignore her, like we usually do. And <laughs> and Alex just keeps like, she's like, look down. And Jody just happens to look down. And to her horror, she's still got, she put the other pair opposites on that she had asked me which ones I preferred. So she came to church with two different shoes that looked nothing like each other. So we're really glad when she comes to church and she's got the same pair of shoes on. So some of you, getting back to uh, our topic of conversation here, some of you may have gotten a new new shirt or a new something or other, you know, something that's uh, special. I remember a few times getting a new pair of shoes, and I was just like, oh, man. You know, that was just so, so special to me. Um, Maybe it's the one time in the year that you go to church. Okay? Let's face it. We all know some people that do that. That's all right. It's okay. They're here. Okay? And if that's you, we love you, and you're part of our family, and we're glad you're here today. Okay? We, we don't mean any harm. We're just playing, all right? So don't, don't come up to me after the service with a word from the Lord. Um, gatherings for families for dinner, all these things are just, you know, we consider as part of Easter, right? But the, the significance, what is the significance of Easter in the midst of all of these things that our world has made it? Some of them are accurate. Some of them are, have nothing whatsoever to do with the cross and the resurrection, okay? What, what is its relevance to us today? How, how does it involve me? What's it got to do with me, all right? How does it affect me? Often, even in Christian circles and churches, the significance of Easter is, is oftentimes even uh, lost or the focus goes on other things than what is intended, okay? Things like an unfortunate event. So when we consider all that Jesus endured in the cross and in the beatings and floggings and all these different things, the crucifixion, some people would look at it as an unfortunate event. And that's all. Okay? 
Some would look at it as a tragedy. And it is both of those. Some would look at it as maybe Jesus was a good man who shouldn't have died. Okay? And it is that, right? It is that. Maybe they consider him a gifted teacher who took things just a little bit too far, turning over the money tables in the temple. Maybe they consider the, quote, trial that he went through Maybe they would consider that, maybe that to be the focus. And what a mistrial. And if, if the trial had gone the way it should, then he would have been vindicated and, and proven not guilty and innocent, and he could have gone free. Maybe the focus is on the betrayal of a close friend. Well, there's Judas. And what about the denial of Peter? Yeah? Maybe the focus goes on a bunch of power-hungry individuals, Jewish priests and leaders trying to protect their positions, and maybe that becomes the focus. Had it not been for them, there would have been no crucifixion. Jesus wouldn't have died, this good man, this good teacher. Maybe this Jesus is considered a dangerous zealot to some people. Or maybe a man who kept offending and publicly attacking people of influence. Another would-be prophet who claimed he was the Son of God. Some would look at it as, as maybe he was a victim of a fickle crowd. One day they're praising him and shouting, Hosanna to the King! Save us, our king! And then a short time later, their shouts turn to the words, Crucify him! Crucify him! Release to us Barabbas! The fickle crowds. The hands that once waved palm branches now hold hammers. We get caught up in the details and we, even as Christians, can get sidetracked in all of the details, okay? We want to know the details, all right? But listen to what one source says. Now listen to this. The death, burial, and I changed it just a little bit. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was unique because it was part of God's eternal plan that Christ would die as an innocent sacrificial lamb, as a substitute payment for the sins of men. Okay? The part in there that we need to take notice of, it was part of God's eternal plan from the beginning. If we miss that, all the other stuff is skewed. Do you understand? unless we gather and contemplate and recognize and accept the fact that this was the plan from the beginning, we miss out on the true intent of this whole thing. 
Would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 50, 53, verses 2 through 12? Some of you can probably quote this by heart. Now, I did some research on this, and this was written about 600 years before Jesus came. Now, let's read this together. Isaiah is prophesying about the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ our Lord. Roughly 600 years prior to him even being thought about. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment, listen to this, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord, listen to this, has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? He has no kids, for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Now listen to this. We're talking about God's plan from the beginning. Listen to this. Now this 600 years, give or take before, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life, talking about the resurrection, and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Who are the transgressors? You and me. You and me. Wow. 
And so hundreds of years prior to the birth of Christ, this Scripture was written. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I love the Word of God. Have I told you that? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. There it is again. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, talking about Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them, at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, not by anything that we've done, but by grace. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now listen. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from ourselves. It is a gift. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of our King, our Savior, the sacrifice once for all, the Messiah, of whom... Peter speaks about in Acts chapter 2. Would you turn turn there with me? Are you with me this morning? You haven't allowed that big breakfast we had to put you to sleep now, have you? No. Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 41. Then Peter stood up with the eleven... This is talking about the day of Pentecost now. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Now this is a member of the disciples. They had all been hiding. Okay? Up until this time, they were all hiding after Jesus was crucified in fear of the Romans. Listen closely to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. I see visions. Did you catch me on that? Visions? Young men? 
Just making sure you're with me. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Some versions say great and terrible day of the Lord. In other words, terrifying. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, Peter is addressing them. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Did you catch that? This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Hallelujah! It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That makes me excited. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave. This is speaking about Jesus. Okay? Nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with your joy, with joy in your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. Now remember, this is Peter speaking to thousands of people in Jerusalem from the upper room. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. Hundreds of years before Jesus. God had raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so Peter is telling these people, this has all been foretold Many, many years ago, from the prophets, hundreds of years prior to today, all these things have been told. And so what you're seeing going on, what you're hearing with your ears, all this clamoring, is the Holy Spirit being poured out on people that receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay? And so he's telling them, this, this Jesus whom you crucified was both God and King, the very Messiah. Can you imagine being there? 
For David didn't ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to them, their number that day. Praise the Lord. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, It says, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? But grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't win. God raised him from the dead. And because he lives, we live. Because he went to the cross and he died on a cross, our sins were nailed to the cross with him. That is why this is so important. That is why he had to die. Have you ever asked yourself, why did he have to die? Why? When uh, my family was watching um, The Passion last night, and some of us just couldn't couldn't get through that. It's just so brutal. That's some some nasty stuff, okay? That's hard to watch. But we force ourselves as much as we can to to watch it because that's our Lord, you know. That's representing, I should say, our Lord. And it reminds us of the pain that he endured and the suffering. Why did he endure it? Because of our sin. We needed a Savior. The Bible says the soul that sins must die. We are all guilty of sin. But thank God, in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, now this is when Jesus was at another tomb, not his own. He was at the tomb of a friend. You may know him. Lazarus was his name. And his sisters Mary and Martha And Jesus got there four days after this man had died. This man was not an old man. Jesus, with the power of God upon him, called Lazarus to life. He called Lazarus to life. And before he did that, when he reached the home of Mary and Martha... They said to him, Lord, if you had only been here, he wouldn't have died. 
And Jesus responded, your brother will live again. And they said, Lord, I know. And the last day, he will live again. Resurrection day. Meaning the rapture. But Jesus responded to them, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who believes in me that is not dead will live forever. Will live forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the resurrection and the life. And in Romans, turn with me, chapter 10, verse 9. Some of you probably know this scripture as well. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you don't know this scripture by heart, you should memorize it. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Have you said that with your mouth? And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved. Saved from what? Well, saved from our sin. Saved from our transgressions. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Jesus conquered it all. Jesus endured it all for our sakes. He had to come. He had to. Because of our sin. He had to. John 3.16. Hmm. Such a great scripture. John 3.16. We see it on big signs at football games in the end zone and all over the place. And you learned this when you were in Sunday school, hopefully. John 3, 16 and 17. Why did Jesus have to come? Why did he have to die? Why did he have to suffer? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Sacrifice. Jesus changed everything. Jesus changed everything. He rose from the grave. And I'll close with this scripture in Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 16. Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 16. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead... Who raised Jesus from the dead? God the Father. So if the Spirit of God the Father... okay, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies 
through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You know what that means? Daddy. Daddy. He's not a God that is far off, some distant universe. He is not a God that needs to be appeased by our traditions, by our own sacrifices. He is a God of love and mercy. But Jesus has changed everything. Jesus has changed everything. He was the sacrifice once for all of us because of our sin. Now, because of what Christ Jesus did, we can once again, if we believe and we receive him, we can once again stand before God the Father clean because of the blood of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? If we miss the fact that this was foretold from, the, from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, prophesied from the prophets, if we miss the fact that all these things were fulfilled in Christ Jesus, we're missing out. It's not about the mistrial. It's not about the Jewish uh, priests and elders stirring up the crowds. It's not about Judas betraying him. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's about Jesus and God's love not being satisfied with sin being between us and him. Do you understand? When we sin, it separates us from God. He's not content to leave it that way. Do you understand? And so he sent his son. He sent his son. We okay? All right. (laughs) He sent his son that we could again be washed clean, white as the driven snow, the Bible says. White as snow, clean and pure and right standing with God. Would you stand with me today? I'm so glad that you are here today. I know that you have probably a million things on your mind right now. Easter baskets and candy and eggs and dinners and... I love you, you know that, right? But don't allow those things to crowd in on the focus of what Christ Jesus did for us. Amen? Okay? And don't even allow the details of the crucifixion 
to deter you from understanding the very core of it all is that the plan from the very beginning was for Jesus to die for you and for me. If you're here today and have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. I would be wrong if I didn't do that. We have this moment in time. We're not guaranteed another. And so I want to give you the opportunity to come to receive Jesus as your Lord, to recognize your need through the Scriptures. The Scriptures show us our sin, do they not? Because of God's law and His Word, we are shown our sin, okay? And we're also shown how to fix it. Amen? And we fix it by coming and receiving Jesus. The Bible says to them that received him, to them that believed on his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Have you received him? Have you believed in him to save you from your sins? Can we have our prayer team come forward? We're going to give you an opportunity here just very quickly to come and to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Please do not delay. We just want to pray with you. We're a family here. We're not going to embarrass you, make you speak to everybody. I promise you we won't do that. We're not trying to get you to join our club, okay? Okay? I don't want you to think that. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to get you to join my church, our church. That's not it. I'm trying to get you to a place to where you understand your need for Christ Jesus in your life and you recognize your need to receive him. Amen? Come, don't delay. All right? You be tough. You be strong. You be courageous. As I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. A prayer that we're confessing our need for Christ Jesus as our Lord. You can pray it right where you are. All right? So you can repeat after me if God is leading you to do that and you feel so inclined. You pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need a Savior. And I know that I can't get rid of my own sin without Jesus. I recognize the work that he did on the cross to forgive me from my sin. Cleanse me and wash me clean. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you were buried in a tomb. I believe that you rose again. I believe in you. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, would you come up and talk to myself or one of our elders? We'd love to just pray with you and talk to you just very quickly. We won't, we won't keep you. God bless you. I hope to see you all again next week. I love you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.